superstars. Welcome to the Up Your Creative Genius podcast, where you will gain insight and tips to stomp on the accelerator and blast off to transform your business and your life. I'm your host, Patty Dobervolsky, and if this is your first time tuning in, then strap in because this is serious rocket fuel. Each week, I interview fellow creative geniuses to help you learn how easy it is to up your creative genius in any part of your life. Hey, everybody, it's Patty Dobervolsky with Up Your Creative Genius, and I am so excited today. I have Lonnie Phillips here. You are going to love her. Now, I just have to give you a bio on her because she's got an extensive history that is needs to be called out. So first off, she's a seasoned technology executive. I mean, we're talking 20 plus years. And right now she's the VP of U.S. Channel for Microsoft. Now, if you don't know what that means, that means she's in charge of the digital transformation and all the co-selling with partners. She's overseeing that whole program in Microsoft in that ecosystem. And we're talking about $50 billion that she oversees in business. So you're incredible for that, number one. And then I got a couple of things I want to shout out because... In 2020, she got a whole slew of awards, which she totally deserved, but I want to call out a couple of them for sure. She was the 2020 executive. She got that executive award for impact from linkage. Okay, that's one. Then she also got the Global Minded Inclusive Leader Award. That's two. And then she was on CRN, the 2020 Women in Channel, leading fearlessly in times of crisis. And now we're talking about her and all these incredible, and I was going to say empowerful, they're powerful women on that same, you know, just call out. And so she's incredible. She's founded a number of boards for women in technology. She is always creating opportunity for women in the technology space. And recently she started this live digital program, which is all about inspiring people with modern mentoring. And so with that, she's sharing her wisdom globally to help people thrive in corporate spaces. You have had some incredible heavy hitters on there. I have listened to every single one. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you. Oh, my gosh. Now, you know, that is a lot of things that you've been doing. And I went back, okay, because this is how I am. I have to kind of see what you're about. So I went and watched some of your interviews, you know, at, at all the different Microsoft events, you know, to hear you and see you. And you're so calm, cool, and collected there. All right, we're talking about 20 years, but that is a lot of experience that you have. Yeah, it's a long time. <laughs> a long time. You know, I've been people, out here a while. <laughs> I know it. I know it. So will you tell people from your perspective, I would love it if you would tell them your story. Like, how did you get here to be that VP mm-hmm. of U.S. Channel at Microsoft? Come on. That is a long, <laughs> steep climb. I know. I work at Microsoft, so I know. So tell me, where did you start and how did you get going in this direction in tech? Well, where I actually started was I actually decided that I really enjoyed technology. So all through school, I just thought, you know what? I really had a knack for math, science, and technology. And so I just decided that I wanted 
to be a part of helping to design the future. And so I actually started off as a systems engineer. Actually, when I joined Microsoft, that was my title. And when I joined, I felt like, you know, talk about imposter syndrome and all that. I'm going to work for a big technology company like Microsoft. I just felt like, oh, my goodness, I'll never be able to keep up the way they were innovating technology back then. So I actually did it for about three years at Microsoft and decided they were having more fun in sales. But I also recognized that it was tapping more into my strengths. And for me, I could really do some of the hard sciences and I knew the technical stuff, but I really loved the connection with people and to solve business problems. So I brought those two together and the rest is history. I just kind of started going into sales. I had a lot of success there and then it kept going from there. I had a lot of great mentors and sponsors along the way. Oh, yeah. Well, I think you have to in that space. You know, in corporate America, it's all about the networking. It's all about the people and the relationships. So say something about that. So you went to school here in Dallas, (laughs) didn't you? Yeah, University of Texas at Dallas, I did. I know. I love that. And so you ended up getting hired at Microsoft. Was that here or did you go to Seattle? Where were you? Were you in no. So when I joined Microsoft, I was working for a insurance company. At the time, it was the St. Paul, the St. Paul Insurance Company, St. Paul Fire and Marine Insurance Company. Today it's called Travelers Insurance. Wow. Because they bought that company. And I worked in IT over there, and I managed all the IT training. I was out presenting some technology, and a guy who was a technology, he was a systems engineer at Microsoft, saw me present. He said, have you ever considered a career at Microsoft? And I said, I would love to work for Microsoft. And he says, I think we need you over there. And he basically brought me in, and I had like 12 interviews, and 12 <laughs> interviews later, and I was living in Minneapolis, Minnesota at the time, oh, and they man. moved me to Houston, Texas for my first job at Microsoft, and that was 24 years ago. Wow, that is crazy. So 24 years at Microsoft. Yeah. So, wow. So you moved around. I know how Microsoft works, right? They just move you around within the organization. And then how did you end up in the partner program? Well, the good news is we've always been a company that's been friendly with partners. We always, we need them. Our bread and butter is our partners. Yeah. So I've always had jobs where there was no way we could be successful without partners. So I've always worked alongside our partners for many, many years. But what happened was I actually took a job where I was the chief transformation officer for our enterprise business. And while in that job, I was really overseeing a huge shift we were making. We were driving a real cultural transformation around how we go to market as a sales organization. And while there, they asked me, hey, you know what, we need to make sure when we think about co-selling with partners, 
we would love to have you come and help us transform that part of our business as well. Yeah. So that was kind of what brought yeah. me over here. And I've been here three years. as. Uh, oh, wow. But part of what you did coming over there, this is what I read about and listened to you talk mm-hmm. about was you started these forums where you were really listening to the partners to see what was the next wave of the future, right? Mm-hmm. And so this to me just matches exactly what you're doing now with your mm-hmm. modern mentoring. This mm-hmm. is really where you're trying to take people is into this new mindset mm-hmm. where we're looking at how can we include everybody in what it is that we're doing and how can you make sure that your voice is heard? Because a lot of the people that you have there, they're really leaders in their space. They've been doing amazing things in their communities, mm-hmm. in companies, and they're, you're grabbing and gleaning from them all this fantastic information mm-hmm. about how you survive in corporate America. Cause you really do, you know, at first you survive and then you thrive when you figure out that thriving has everything to do with what? What would you say? What does the thriving part of corporate America do? You know, how do you make that happen? Well, I would say thriving in corporate America. It would be relying on, first and foremost, freeing yourself to show up as your authentic self and bringing your gifts to work every single day. Yeah. I think to really kind of understand the winning formula to help you be successful. Right? What's the winning formula? I think it depends on the company and it depends on the role that you have. But I think that is the quest we're all after. Whenever you take a role inside the company, what does success look like? And has anyone actually achieved that success? And what was the formula they used to get there? Now, to the earlier point you're making, I'm a big fan of making sure that we all maintain a growth mindset and always think about how you can make something better. I definitely have that tendency to want to transform things for the better. I also believe in having listening mechanisms where you can Provide a platform for people to have a voice to help shape your thinking, because that will help you figure out where you have some common themes and problems you need to solve. And then you can pull together the right resources to help solve that problem. But in the whole world of trying to thrive in corporate America, it really is around freeing yourself to bring the very best of yourself to work, because so many people still hold back. Yeah, it's really fear is a big thing. It's a big thing. You know, I think that part of what we always have to remind ourselves is that we're here to bring our best selves always. And that if we're holding back in that environment, that's not our best selves. That's our fearful self, right? You know, fear on one side, love on the other. And so if you can step into the place of love, love yourself enough that you can show up as you and know that whatever happens is going to happen, right? Now, when you talk about this, I know that you had some really great mentors. You Mm -hmm. had to have. So tell me a little bit about, you know, who inspired you to be able to go into that environment and be successful. And then who do you, you know, count on now? So tell me a little bit about your history of mentorship. And then who do you aspire um, to be now and, and have relationships with now? Sure. So would you allow me, Patty, to 
take a trip down memory lane. Definitely. Talk about a moment where it was probably the most pivotal moment in my life that shaped who I am today. Definitely. And I'm sharing it with you because the more that I share my story, I have to, I can't ignore that because it did shape me. And it'll start off a little sad, but it'll get, it'll pick up. So I want you to don't pull out the tissue. (laughs) So I actually lost my mother at 12 years old. My mother was a school teacher. She was beloved. And when I say beloved, she was beloved. And cancer took her life early. And she was so beloved, we had two funerals in two different states. So we actually, at the first funeral, I have one younger sister. My 12-year-old mind was just grief-stricken because that's my mother there. But when they give you time to talk about the deceased, a whole bunch of people stood up and lined up around the church because they wanted a moment to get on the microphone. My 12-year-old mind was like, I don't want to have to go through this. I want to go home and grieve the loss of my mother. I don't want to be at a funeral and allow people to talk about her. But each one of those individuals got up and talked about the impact she made on their life. I mean, it was one story after the next about how she challenged them, loved them, supported them. But at 12 years old, I heard it, but I didn't hear it. You know what I mean? Because I was sad. And I put a block on. And then I woke up one day and I remembered, just so you know, at her second funeral, same thing happened. Different group of people. This woman in 42 years of her life, literally touched the life of every person that she encountered. And at her funeral, they were talking about her life and the impact she made. So fast forward, what's in me, and I give my mother credit for that, is the desire to serve and the desire to make a difference in people's lives. Now, as I was on my career journey, it took me a while to find my voice. And it was the mentors that came along that really believed in me and gave me that courage to be able to speak up. But I think what happened through it all is I think time, maturity, and finally just realizing I am not going to go through life just playing small. Yeah. I just want to show up as the best version of myself and a champion for all people. And you know what? Some people are going to like it. Some people are not going to like it, but that's okay. I'm going to let my life be an example. But then I think about when this is all said and done, the Microsoft and how long I work there is only going to be a few, one bullet, maybe. Yeah, blip on the screen. Blip on the screen. The rest is going to be about the interactions you have with people and the impact you've been able to make on people in the world. So I just shifted my energy. But yes, I had mentors that really spoke life into me, encouraged me when I was down. And I've had from men to women, they all, most didn't even look like me. But you know what though? The thing that I had with my mentors is most of them always focused on the victories. They never really talked about the failures. Yeah. And that's why I choose to focus on both 
with the platform I'm trying to create because I think I would have learned more had they been willing to share the mistakes. Well, yeah, because when you look at where things aren't going well, then you get this opportunity to improve upon it, right? Yeah. Um, But, you know, I wonder too, like, you're really a superstar in that space. And what's true is you, you have this way of being in the room where people really pay attention when you speak. You know, I've been in those meetings with you where you open your mouth and everybody just boom shuts down and whatever they're thinking or saying. So they all ears on you. And I think there's a piece of it that's confidence that you talked about, right? That you had this confidence and built this confidence. The other thing that you're talking about with this experience is that, and I love this, is that you put that wall up on all of that good stuff about your mom because you were 12 and you couldn't really take it all in because the grief was Mm -hmm. overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Then you said that at one point, then you crack through that piece of it and you Mm -hmm. realize you weren't going to play small anymore. When did that happen? Was that something that happened in the last five years? I would say it probably happened in the last, yeah, five to seven. I didn't put a time frame on it. Yeah. Just being more intentional by how I show up. You know what? When it happened also, I realized that I had more years behind me than I did in front of me. And I said, what am I going to do with the time I have left? And I also said, I've been heads down, working hard chasing excellence, chasing the next big thing. And I still am driven by that. But why? Who have I helped? What am I doing to help others? I just kind of woke up and said, you know what? I need to quit playing small and share more of my experiences. And I became an enormous champion for women. Oh, I was just talking to my new EA about this. I do not like to see any woman disrespected. Right. And I will immediately Me too. challenge that. I will immediately challenge that. Me too. I was in the airport. The guy in front of me was giving the woman behind the counter, you know, she was go- taking too long to make a latte. And I said to him, hey, wait a minute. You cannot treat her that way. And he said, I can do whatever I want. And then he stormed off and I thought, okay. And then I just turned to her and said, you don't ever need to take that from anybody and just know that women, we got your back. And mm-hmm. so, and that's, what's true. We have to have mm-hmm. each other's back now, especially mm-hmm. you're in tech, you know, mm-hmm. and there are so few women in tech. There just mm-hmm. are because it's taken over by this huge space and we have to claim our place there because as we go into augmented reality, you know, and AI, we have to make sure our voices are represented or everything that we see and experience in the world is going to be from the male perspective, which is not going to be a good thing. That's not going to be a good thing. And I think the other thing that helps shift me is there's all of these microaggressions and things you've experienced over the years that, You've just grown accustomed to ignoring. And I think I also got to the point where I was just tired of being sick and tired and said, the only way this is going to change is if I 
systematic change. So that means I've got to show up. That means I've got to use my voice for good. That means I need to be willing to call things out in a respectful way. But yes, I've had to have those conversations around intent versus impact. Yes. Your intent may have been good, but let's talk about the impact that it had on me and others. Yes. You've got to be willing to have those conversations in a way in which people can hear you. But I've just decided that with the time I have left, I'm going to make a difference with this platform that I've been given and hopefully open the door, extend a hand, do whatever I can to help as many people as possible. Well, and I would say just with your modern mentoring, you know, your live stream of that, it's so engaging. Like you've had, you know, you had uh, last week, you had Tony Torres Whitley there, right? So incredible. She was so incredible. And she spoke to this microaggression and that she was sick of it, you know, and that she'd had it, right? And I think that we have to be sick of it in order for it to change. And then we have to speak up about it in a respectful way. But this is what is a quote off your LinkedIn profile, which I love. And I want to read it because you say, as a champion for all people, I'm passionate about transformational leadership and committed to empowering people in corporate America. But here, transformational work is not transactional, but behavioral. It is behavioral and, and, for so long, we've treated all the DEI stuff like it's transaction. You know, it's number yeah. of people, it's number of, it's color of people, but it's not. And yeah. in order for us to shift, we have to understand really, speak to that a little bit so sure, people can understand what this means. Well, I can give you some examples. I think you've seen companies all over who really hyper focused on D, they say DEI, but they really hyper focus on the diversity piece. And so they actually get the numbers. So they bring in more women, they bring in more people of color and they bring in people with many different backgrounds and then they start counting. And then what happens is year over year, you start to see those numbers will go up, but then they drop, they go up and they grow. And what I started observing and what I experienced personally is you're more concerned about getting me here and checking the box, but you really haven't invested the time in creating an environment where I feel like I'm seen, valued and heard. And I have a sense of belonging and where I feel like that I can really grow my career here. And that's inclusion. And that's the piece that I think a lot of people are missing. And when you think about the statement you made, no, diversity is not transactional, but it is relational. You've got to build a true connection and relationship with people to understand what's important to them. And it means you have to meet them where they are at. Yes. Understand what support looks like for them and then demonstrate some compassion and move into action to connect them to resources and things that they need to help them be successful. Yeah. That's really yeah. I think that this piece about connecting them to the resources that they need, like I think there are so many assumptions made out there from one perspective about what people need. So if we just get this person in place and they can support everyone that comes in, no, really what we need to do is to begin to open our ears and ask questions and be willing to fumble around in there. You know, you got to get dirty in there and make mistakes in order for you to learn and grow. And I think now, you know, the interesting thing about everything that's happened in the, the whole environment out there, I think that part of what we have to do is realize 
And I think I've realized this as I get older, you know, I, I know so much less than I think I know, you know, before right. I thought I knew so much. And now I've realized, no, I really uh, do. Uh, what do I understand about love? And what do I understand about compassion? And what do I understand about listening and people from around the world? How can I really be in a listening space? Mm. And I think that's part of it. You know, you have to ask questions, listen more and do your own homework. Like, don't expect people to do the homework for you, right? <laughs> Come That's on. Powerful. That's powerful. That's powerful right there because it's true. You've got to take responsibility for your own learning journey, too. Yeah. And part of that learning journey is being vulnerable enough to admit you don't know and to ask questions and to do your research and to learn. And I'm with you. I think... Every day I'm given another day to live. I feel like it's another opportunity to learn something new. That's right. It's so true. I don't know anything. And it's changing so quickly too, right? Right, right. Every day is a round change. Well, tell me, what is a day in the life of Lonnie Phillips? What does your day look like? You know, before we got into the podcast, you asked me what my day looked like. I'm curious, what does your day look like? Are you just meeting to meeting to meeting? What do you do in terms of your own personal rituals? So that people can understand what it takes to be able to be responsive, to listen, to be able to pivot when you need to. What do you do in your day to keep yourself balanced? Well, I'll talk about the day day because that's different every day. But I will tell you that my mornings are sacred. And the reason why I say my mornings are sacred is because it sets the tone. And I've learned that I've got to build in the time to make sure that I honor that space with myself. And what do I do? Well, a lot of people chuckle, but there's a few things I do. The first thing I do is I usually have a spiritual practice that when I rise, I usually spend some time in a space of gratitude and just really thinking about the things that I'm grateful for. I do tend to get up every day and make sure that I do something that inspires me. So I listen to a podcast, I'll listen to music, whatever I'm in the mood for. I'll listen to an audible. I may read something that I enjoy, a book, but I always have to do something that lifts my spirits. It's just something that I just look forward to. Even when I'm traveling and I've been on the road the last couple of weeks, I actually do it even when I'm on the road. I do believe in that, um, that mindfulness space where you do the deep breathing, I have found that I have to find a way to quiet the noise in my head, yeah. uh, just quiet the noise of everything I have to do and just sit in yes. yes. And it's amazing how much clarity you get when you're done with it. I also am a big planner for the day. What are the three to five things that I must get accomplished? Now, this might surprise you. That's one other thing I do. That people are surprised by, but I, every day I say, what's going to be my intention for the day? And who's the one person that I want to touch to see if I can make a difference in their life? Every single day I look for one person. Oh, wow. See how you pull that through. That's life. your genetic encoding from your mom. Mm-hmm. Wow, I that. That is- I love it too. And it always makes them smile. It, but yes. they don't know I get as much from it as they do. Yes. Um, yes. But for me, it's just my way of, Again, planting seeds of just goodness out there in hopes of it coming back my way. Now, once the day starts, girl, let me tell you, 
I go from meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting, and you know we're in this virtual world. Uh, today, I actually had three presentations, and you know, even the best laid plans. I even had one of them had a complete blackout right in the middle of the presentation. I'm like. <laughs> Oh, I've so had that happen before. Like I've been the keynote speaker and then the dogs start barking like crazily for the Amazon truck that's pulled up. Right. Yes. So, you know, there's all that stuff. Wow. Okay. And then what do you do to decompress at the end of your day? How do you do that? So actually, believe it or not, I don't spend as much time catching all the programs. So I try to, first of all, I'm married and I have a son. And so my husband, James, and my son, Brayden, I usually try to love on them for a few minutes, but we haven't been together so long through this pandemic. You know, they might have about 15, 20 minutes for me, and then they've <laughs> moved on to something else. So I just try to love on them. And then I just go back to my zone. My zone is follow up from the day. I look at my list, see if I accomplished the things I set out to accomplish. I start thinking about what is it I need to follow up on, and I try to get to it. Here lately, since we've all been in digital overload, though, I've really been struggling with the volume of email and how, what kind of new rhythms can I put in place to get to them all? Cause I literally, I checked. I'm getting anywhere from 100 to 110 pieces of mail a day. That's a lot to me. That's terrible. Yeah, that's terrible. And to have to respond to all that. Well, and I think, too, in your role, there's some things that you really have to respond to. So, you you know, you got red, yellow, green on that. You know, you can color code them and tell people and all that stuff. But different folders. You try to, but I'm still, you know, because the volume has grown because everybody's resorted to email or communication. But I do try to have that quiet time away from the technology, too. Because I do need to be able to decompress and get the required amount of risk. I am at that point now where I need anywhere to seven to eight hours. Wow. And you, are you getting that? I am so eight happy when I get seven, so seven and a half. I'm like, <gasps> seven, seven. Yeah, I can get seven in. I can get seven in. Would love to get eight. I yeah. don't need 10. That feels like it's a little too much, but I am <laughs> grateful for my sleep. It does. It does a world. It makes a world of a difference for me. I've been using my sleep to solve problems. This is my new thing. I Actually, I've done it for a long time, but I take that into my dream state so that I get an answer in the morning when I get up. So I'll write it on a three-by-five card. I'll put it under my pillow. And then when I get up, first thing, whatever the dream is about, then I write that down so that I can see and unpack it, you know, because the... You know, your dream sensor will get in there and it scrambles everything because it doesn't want you to know truth. (laughs) But that's what all that really quiet time in the morning, you know, allows your creative genius to unravel and set the tone. So I love that. So you, you get up, you got your ritual of gratitude and then you set your plan for what you're going to do. You do something that inspires you. Then you get into the rhythm of the day, whatever that is. And I hope that in the middle of that, you're doing some jumping jacks and stuff like that. You know what? (laughs) Is you need the exercise part. Let's just say have the mirror, got the gym. I am not perfect. That is something I have not been as consistent with. And I in every day I'm trying to get what they say one percent better. That's right. It's one percent. It is. It is. Well, and then I got hired by Zwift to do some work with them, and they're an you know indoor cycling thing. So I had to ride. 
to take pictures of the landscape in the digital space. So I knew what it looked like so I could draw it. So I was like, okay, well, now I got to ride up Mont Bon 2. And that, and then I made it halfway up. I'm like, forget it. I'm going back down now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, you know, you got to marry business with pleasure and with workout, you know, make your meetings a walking meeting, get on your phone. We and do active everything. meetings. Yeah. We do active meetings. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but yes. it's no PowerPoints and you just do something physically, you know, to get your heart rate going. We've done that as a team and that's been fun. Of course, now it's starting, the weather's starting to change, so we're going to have to do it indoors. But that's because yeah, you're in Chicago, so that's yeah. going to be chilly there. Now, tell me, so... Tell me a little more about your goal for modern mentoring. What is it, the vision that you have for that? What do you see and what's the impact that that's having that you're experiencing? I'm wow. seeing your numbers go up in the viewing. Yes, they are going that. up. Yeah. So, you know, it's so funny. The reason I started modern mentoring is because during the pandemic, there were more requests for people to want one-on-one mentoring. And I just didn't have any more hours to give. So I had to come up with another solution. And in my sleep, it was like, okay, you've got this oddness with social media that you got to get over, right? But you have this strong desire to help. Why don't we try to use the technology to scale mentoring? That's really where it all came from. And then I was like, oh, that's very modern. So I'll call it modern mentoring. Then I found out someone wrote a book on it. And I was like, well, <laughs> whatever. Was it to, whatever. Was it unique to me? I guess I hadn't read that book in particular. I was just trying to figure out how to scale it. But here's what happened. And, and I ended up, re- it was a, just a project. And then I was seeing that I was really helping people and they were getting so much from it. And I was getting these emails and voicemails trying to encourage me to keep going. And now I feel like I'm really doing something that may turn into a movement and I hope more people start to do it. So my vision now is one to just continue to bring the collective wisdom of people. This is not about Lonnie. This is about, we can learn something from each other and let's have a conversation about just some of the unique challenges people face when they're in corporate spaces And let's be willing to share what's worked. Let's also share what didn't work. And let's do it in a format that's just a few tips that you can go in and take what applies to you. And so my vision is for this to be a platform that continues to grow. Yes, I've been approached about making it a real service, right? And moving it to technology where we can actually have a full platform behind it. I've had people raise their hand to say, let's do that. I've been asked to turn it into a talk show. I think I'm up to about a dozen times that's come up. (laughs) They want to see me do a red table talk concept. I'm like me and village. I am a team of one. I have two volunteers and that's it. And the volunteers only help me during the when I'm trying to brainstorm what to do and they help me with the captions <laughs> because right. it's hard to interview and pull up those captions. And so I've got to, I have so many people now that are leaning in, Hey Lonnie, this is something special. and want to see you do it more. Yeah. So I think what I'll do is I'll just bring together a small group of people 
and then we'll figure out how to scale this thing even more. Yeah, but I think, now, but here's the thing, you know, I listen to different podcasts and I listen to people doing interviews. And what I love about what you've done is first you did it just you. And then you were mentoring people in the conversation while you were getting your feet wet. I mean, really what I loved about it was you were really transparent about you didn't understand what was happening. The technology was and like that. Right. And then you started to have people on with you. And then like now I see, oh, you see now she's sitting her stride because I think for me, having you here is amazing. And the conversation that you get to have when you have somebody one-on-one is really incredible. And what you've added to that is questions from the audience, right? So that they can ask you anything and your guest anything. And I think that is really valuable. So I would encourage you to, I would like to see what your red table would be like. I would, I think it would, might be something around the scariest Scariest moment, moment. (laughs) you know, like things that have really gone awry or the really hard conversations that we have um, with people, right? I think that's what we need in in the corporate setting is a lot of that to break through. But what I will say, and I want to call this out for the listeners is, so she had this idea about it and then she put it into practice. She knew it was her Achilles heel. It wasn't something she wanted to do to get online and look (laughs) at how fantastic she is. And you ought to see all the headshots she has. They're incredible. And I hope that you put them in your Instagram feed and that you get somebody who can, because they're amazing. And What's true is that, so then she scaled it as she went. And this is how you really begin to pivot into and lean into the things that you think are calling you, but you're not sure you're you're capable capable of doing them, right? Absolutely. That's exactly what it was. And I always say I was leaning into my discomfort, but I was really reaching for the desire to help so many more people. And I had to get comfortable with this medium that I was still, you know, there's this digital native and the digital adapter. I'm more of a digital adapter because I didn't grow up on all of this technology, social technology. So it was something that I just had to get comfortable with. But I knew I had a heart to serve and I had a heart to share my story and I had a heart to get other people's stories out there. But to your point, if I did move it to a bigger platform, the thing people want is they want that interaction with me. So I think we'll see where it goes. This is what I told the last person that said it to me. I said, I surrender. Whatever is supposed to happen will happen. Here's what I will commit to you. I'll keep doing it. And eventually the resources and all this will yep. come together and we'll figure it yep. out so we can scale it even more. Well, and so, and even listen to that. So this is a tip too, for all of you that are listening, you know, you can make the greatest plans in the world and you can also learn to surrender to what is and what will happen. It doesn't mean that you're not going to do the work to figure out the technology. It doesn't mean that you aren't going to pull together the team to give you the ideas or that you're going to have to stay up late and figure out what you need to know or get someone to teach you what you need to know in order to move forward. But the truth is, is that in the end, you have to surrender it up 
and let the universe open the door for you because you can't see what's out there. You might have painted a, you know, and I'm big on painting a picture of the future, but you don't know everything that's going to happen in the future. So that's why I say start with how you will feel at the end of the change that you're in or how you'll feel when you are reaching, uh, you know, so many people through this, whether it's a a bunch of teams out there doing it and and you're helping them and giving some tips on how to do it or whatever it is, right? But that you surrender it up. I love that. Well, tell me just a few tips for people that are listening in about how they can pivot and grow themselves in, in the modern world. Anything that you would just share, any additional points? Because you've shared so much already. You know, to pivot in this more digital world, you know, I would tell you first and foremost is you've got to pay attention to the change that are happening in front of us. Let me give you an example. Right now, when you think about how do I stay up on things, one of the areas that I recognize that is not going away anytime soon is being able to work in this hybrid environment. And we all know this pandemic has gone on longer. It's at different stages, no matter where you live in the world. And I got to figure out how do I drive engagement within my organization? And how do I have deeper connections? I came across a lady by the name of Erica Dewan, who actually wrote a book on digital body language. And I had an opportunity to hear her speak. And the thing that opened me up was the fact that we all have technology, this digital world, but how do we create trust and connection and how far reaching it is? Because we all think it's through email or we think it's through video but it's all in how you send an email, the greeting, how you connect, how are you demonstrating empathy? So it's yes, forcing yes. me to have to really sit back yeah. and really reevaluate what does it mean to connect? I think someone who wants to pivot based on everything I've said, you do have to pay attention to where things are evolving and changing and invest the time in just getting smarter about it. Like you said, the older I get, I realize I don't know a whole lot. I still got a lot to learn because things are changing right before our very eyes. So I would encourage you to pay attention, look where you see trends going, and then figure out what you need to go learn. And then I'm going to learn a lot about digital body language, thanks to Erica. But then what I'll do is I'll adapt it. Because I have my own set of experiences, right? And then I will figure out what works best for me. And then what am I going to want to do? Pay it forward. That's right. You're going to want to show other people how they can do it. I love it. Share with other people. I'm so, I'm like so excited. But I think for people who want to transform, I think first of all, you got to see where the trends are going. You got, I also tell people take inventory of yourself. You know, what are your strengths? What are those towering strengths you have? What are those gifts that no one can do better than you? And then what are those areas that you're challenged with? Yeah. Some of that stuff you can just let go of and surround yourself with people that have strengths in that area. But I really do believe that once we get clear on the things that are our special gifts, if you invest in those, well, they will become towering strengths. And you'll be able to let that be how you earn your living. That'll be how you live your life and share right. with others. And, you'll and be then you become your legend, <laughs> which is really, legend. that's it. 
that's it in a nutshell. Really, you got to pay attention to the trends. You got to really put your attention on your strengths and know that, you know, the thing about the world is there's only one you. Bring that you. Bring what you have. And then do this thing that Lonnie's talking about, which is be in service to all of life in that space. Help and impact people day by day. Small things add up to big change in the world. So you got to be the change. You really do. And um, I love you so much. I just think you're incredible. And I think that um, that. people are going to go crazy uh, over this podcast and all of the tips that you dropped. And your stories are so moving. Thank you so much for spending time with us. And I just can't wait to see what else you're up to. So everybody, please um, follow, um, you know, Modern Mentoring with Lonnie Phillips. You can find that on LinkedIn, but it's, she's, on she's on YouTube with it. And she does a live broadcast every week. You are incredible. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I love you and I appreciate you for having me on. Yeah, it was fantastic. Okay, everybody, you know what we say, you know, go out and make it a great day for other people and know that you're loved in the universe. There's only one you. Let's do this. Until next time, up your creative genius. And that's a wrap. Thanks so much for listening today. Be sure to DM me on Instagram your feedback or takeaways from today's episode on up your creative genius. Then join me next week for more Rocket Fuel. Remember, you are the superstar of your universe, and the world needs what you have to bring. So get busy, get out, and up your creative genius. And no matter where you are in the universe, here's some big love from yours truly, Patty Dobervolsky, and the Up Your Creative Genius podcast. That's a wrap. That's a wrap.